Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig and uh, today we are joined by our senior economist Matt Burgess. Hi Matt. Hi Oliver. We've been talking a lot about climate change, about emissions, about energy policy really for the last two years since you've been with us. And of course, we've also talked about the Climate Change Commission's report before they released it, after they released it, and now it's about a couple of weeks uh, later, and you've had a chance to read through the almost 900 pages of this document. So I thought it would be a really good opportunity to know, pick your brains, what have you learned wading through the materials that the Commission just dumped on us? So um, what's the most surprising thing you picked up from that report? Well, the Commission's done a lot of modelling, and the starting point for the modelling is what are the what is the track that we're currently on under existing policy settings. The interesting thing is that um, under current settings, ETS price stays at thirty five dollars, but for the next twenty nine years, we get most of the way to net zero if we do nothing on top of what we're already doing. Um, so the do nothing option basically gets us almost there. At the moment, we're emitting 36 million tonnes a year of long-lived gases. If we do nothing on top of what we've already done, leave everything as it is, we get that down to 6 million tonnes. So you could think of that as we've got 30 years to find the last 6 million tonnes. Pretty manageable. That is quite a change, actually, from what's happened in the past few years, because so far our emissions haven't really tracked down what's have they? That's right, and so I think what's new is you have an ETS at $35 that was um, below 10 only and five cap, years ago, right. and we've got a quantity cap now, very significant uh, development, good development actually. Uh, we've got um, we've got the billion trees policy that's in there too. So um, we're looking at a million extra hectares over the next 30 years, and that gets us a lot of the way, not all the way, but I think about a third of um, reductions also come from other sources. Um, Is that a dangerous assumption to believe that the government's billion trees program will work? Well, it's not clear on my reading what's driving the additional trees. It could just be uh, the ETS, actually. I mean, in the end, the ETS picks on two things a lot. One of them is coal. Uh, the other is forestry. And okay. it's precisely because each has a big impact on emissions in opposite directions. So you say the Commission comes to the conclusion that we'll get to within 6 million tonnes of net zero by 2050 by basically doing nothing and just keeping the policy settings as they are. But how would we get to net zero then on the existing scheme? Well, hang on. it's not doing nothing. It's not doing anything more than we're already doing. Okay. And actually, we're doing a lot. You know, it's no small thing to have an ETS price at $35, pretty comprehensive, with the clear intention, with a plan, in fact, to bring agriculture in. That's more than almost any other country can say. Okay. But still, we have 6 million tonnes to go. How would we get there with the current settings? We've got choices. 6 million tonnes is pretty manageable. So, um, look, one of them is, the Commission's own analysis says you could raise the ETS price to $50 from 35 Just 50 we're currently 39, actually. We're already at 39. If we get to $50 between now and 2050, in real terms, we get to net zero, says the, the Commission. Okay, let's calculate that down to a level that um, ordinary people can easily understand. We currently pay for the ETS certificates each time we fill our cars, right? ETS prices in almost everything, every good and service we consume, almost. Okay. But for a car, for example, ETS price of $38 means how many cents? About nine per cents per litre of 91. Okay, nine cents a liter. So if we're going to fifty dollars per ton, that would mean eleven or twelve cents a liter. So basically, an increase of just about three cents a liter would get us to net zero by twenty fifty. Sure. And that's what the Climate Commission itself says in the report. That's right. Now, so let's be absolutely clear what's going on here. Of course. Um, 12 cents a litre doesn't get us to net zero on its own. But a $50 ETS hits other parts of the economy a lot harder than petrol. You know, 
cars um, per vehicle, each car only emits about two tonnes a year. Um, things like coal, forestry, natural gas, they're much more emissions intensive. They get hit a lot harder. That's where the engine uh, engine room is in terms of lower emissions. Okay, but it's still interesting because a lot of um, the media coverage around the climate Com commission's report has focused on their call to transition us to electric vehicles. Now, um, the transition probably wouldn't happen that fast if you just had an increase in, say, three cents a litre. People would actually make different choices. They wouldn't all jump into electric vehicles by 2030 or something like that. And there's a very good reason for that, and that's because at the moment um, cars are an expensive way to cut a tonne of emissions. In the end, you've got to move a lot of capital, the motor vehicle, um, to reduce only a small amount of emissions, about two tonnes a year. That's not much. There's just far higher bang-for-buck opportunities elsewhere in the economy. So that's why the ETS um, hasn't hit transport. It's precisely be because there are better opportunities elsewhere. Now, transport's time will come. But the Commission's right about the ETS if it says, well, it's not going to get us into EVs. But so what? Okay. You know, the whole point is to cut emissions. The Commission should be saying recognising that we just want to get to net zero. The Commission should be prepared to be tech neutral and sector neutral. Okay, but that's not quite what the Commission does. The Commission is um, tech non-neutral and sector non-neutral to the extent that it's using... Well, what okay, it's, okay let's, it's, let's, let's translate that. I mean, the Commission is going into all sorts of individual policies. They are trying to tell us how we could in the future have our barbecue at home, what kind of cars we can, um, how much we cycle, how much we walk. The Commission's accepts there's an ETS and accepts that it works. It also, its modelling shows that it will get us to net zero plausibly, easily, in fact, by 2050, if it's allowed to work as it currently does. Okay, so, so what the Commission is doing, it leaves the ETS there. It's using its policy to override the ETS, to force emissions to come down in particular places. The consequence of that on the Commission's own modelling is to drastically increase the cost of achieving a given reduction of emissions. So in the end, the Commission's pitch to New Zealanders is we could get to net zero easily, sooner than 2050, with low risk, with minimum loss of prosperity. Instead, New Zealanders, we want you to pay hundreds of dollars per tonne of emissions, not 50, 250 up to $400 a tonne. For what? Did I understand you correctly that you said the Commission actually implicitly or explicitly admits that the ETS will get us there? The Commission expressly says on page 46 of its report, if you're interested, that for a $50 ETS we get to net zero emissions in 2050. And the only reason we're not just going to do that, the only re reason the Commission didn't deliver a one-page report instead of 900 pages is because it doesn't like forests and it thinks the government should take over large parts of the economy to achieve the same goal. So what does the Commission then say about the interrelations between its own proposed policies and the ETS? So for at least two years now, Oliver, you and I have been saying, um, making a very simple point about an emissions trading scheme. And that is if you cap emissions with an ETS, other policies don't have any further effect on emissions. The Commission has come out with a plan that says we should do both ETS and other policy. If you look at page 5 of chapter 17, here is what they say. The Commission says, quote, The more that non-ETS policies are used, the more likely it is that the NZU price, the ETS price, uh, can be lower while still achieving the same overall amount of emissions reductions. Okay, I well, guess we'll have to translate that into plain English. Well, they're exactly right. They're saying that um, if you do other things alongside a capped ETS, you don't reduce emissions by even a single tonne more. 
Okay, I, I just don't get this. The commission actually writes a report over almost 900 pages and towards the very end, having given all of their recommendations, they come to the conclusion that actually what we've just proposed is totally senseless, futile, superfluous, because it's already covered by the ETS. It's superfluous under the objective that Parliament has given the Climate Change Commission, which is to deliver a plan for getting emissions to net zero by 2050. Under that objective, all of the policy in 900 pages of the Commission's plan is worthless. Why do we even have a Commission then? We have just received a really useful insight from the Commission that says we are nearly or we are actually on track to deliver net zero under current policies at something like the lowest minimum cost. And genuinely, this is not some trick. Emissions really will you know, get to net zero by 2050 if we keep going on our current path. We don't need a commission. The, we're actually on track already. We've done the job. We just need to stay the course. So the commission should have actually recommended to the Minister of Climate Change, there's nothing to see here. We've got a system. Please dissolve us. So let's, I think, here's what the commission sort of said. The commission sort of said, look, we've got an ETS. It's been here for 12 years. We think it's working somebody should go and check. <laughs> the well, ETS prices. Well, how about an independent commission? That would be a great job for an independent commission. Go and check what effect the ETS is currently having now that it's at $40 a tonne. That's the first thing. The commission should have said, keep the ETS, strengthen it, fix what's currently broken, some um, holes in the border and so on. The main risk to the ETS is political feasibility. So government, do everything you can to maximise the political feasibility of the ETS. Talk about it, measure whether it's working, fix what's broken, give a carbon dividend back from the revenues you raise from it. Do what you can to make it as popular or give it the maximum room to work. Drop everything else, right? Don't recommend other policies. Um, and the other thing the Commission could do is um, start building an accounting system that allows us to genuinely and robustly access overseas offset opportunities if they're needed. But the Commission actually did the opposite. The Commission went straight into policy recommendations and gave us the policy recommendations without even releasing the assumptions of the models that they used. This is um, almost unbelievable, actually. The Commission has done a lot of good modelling work. We had a session with the modellers last week, really interesting, and actually they're doing good work. It's clear from that session that the recommendations, <laughs> this extraordinarily ambitious strident Stalinist recommendations that are coming from the Commission to the government is based on that modelling. We absolutely need to see what's in that model, what the assumptions are, what marginal abatement costs, sensitivity testing, etc., etc. They've from released what, okay, some from, results. From, we from need to see the assumptions. From what you have seen, and they haven't released the assumptions, of course, what assumptions would you assume they have used? I'm really interested in how they got transport um, to such a large part. So just very quickly on how the modelling works, mm -hmm. they carve forestry out and put it to the side and, and, and say, look, we'll just decide how many emissions come down from forestry. But after they carve forestry out, they just run an optimization model. They just try to, the model tries to find the maximum amount of emissions reduction for the lowest possible cost. Great. Couldn't have done it better myself. Okay, that's great. The question is how to transport when in that process. Um, we know that transport doesn't get hit by the ETS. Um, that must be because um, in the end it's a high cost per tonne source of emissions. You get more bang for buck from other, every other source, it seems, than transport. Overseas research suggests um, dollars per tonne performance of electric vehicles currently very poor, but improving. So how did the Commission deliver a result that says our main t channel to lower emissions is electric vehicles? I strongly suspect that they're using um, 
questionable assumptions around marginal abatement costs. I think they may be using large negative values. They should be using large positive values. The result is a massive, in fact, it would, it would turn the whole plan on its head, um, but we need to see the assumptions. So the Commission has given us six weeks to respond to their report, which is quite a task in itself because it's such a big one. But in the meantime, you say, as long as we don't have the modelling, we can't even properly respond to it. Is that right? That's right, yeah. In the end, the recommendations are strongly tied to what's in their modelling, um, and that depends on what assumptions and data has gone into it. We, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, you've worked in public policy for a long time. You've worked with ministers in the past. How unusual is it to have such draconian policy prescriptions released without a simultaneous release of the underlying modelling assumptions? Well, it's, it's, it's unique. I mean, I don't think there has been a report that proposed um, such a massive expansion of, of government control over, over the economy like this. Um, this report, those recommendations are based substantially on the modelling. So the modelling isn't just something that's happening on the side. It really is causing these recommendations. And therefore, the essential thing is to get access to that model so we can see what happens. You know, where does the less than 1% of GDP cost come from? You know, how is it that you can you can have a program that would make Muldoon blush multiple times the size of Think Big in all probability for a cost of less than 1% of GDP? I mean, come on. And do you think there is a chance that we will see the assumptions released? Um, I think there's a chance we won't. And uh, frankly, we're halfway through, we're approaching halfway through the consultation period. I think it's um, it'll be an outrage if we don't see full release of everything that they haven't purchased under license um, in terms of what went into that model, which is just about everything from the sound of it. There's a single data set from Purdue University they've put in, they can't release that. As far as I can tell, every other assumption they've made, which is a lot of assumptions I'd say, thousands probably, thousands of data points, needs to come out as immediately. Okay, we'll watch that space with interest. Thank you, Matt, for joining us and thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks.